Welcome back to the With Joe Eby podcast. The question today is, how do you help people while you sleep? Like Naval Ravikant. We've been going through Luke the series, How to Get Rich, that Naval is famous for on his podcast and tweet store. And he boils, he says, this boils down to two words. The whole tweet storm and podcast series boils down to two words. Do you know what those two words are, Luke? Nope. <laughs> Productize mm. yourself. Productize yourself. At first, it thinks that you're turning yourself, you know, it sounds like you're turning yourself into a robot. He says it's, it's not quite like that. It's not this ro- um, roboticism. It's the idea of coming back to the concept we are talking about before of leverage about really amplifying what you're capable of doing. You know, you've heard the idea of earning money while you sleep. I guess the title of this episode is inspired by doing all these meaningful things while you sleep, by expanding what you do, detaching, as he as he says so much, all of this is really about ultimate leverage, is about detaching your inputs from your outputs. Again, we have the example which we'll relate back to of, say, one of my YouTube videos or podcast episodes. Um, someone, I, don't, I might stop tomorrow and never make another episode again, but someone might listen in a year and I would have no idea. I haven't put any input into them finding it. You know, I, we did a series on Alan Watts. Alan Watts has been dead since 1973. His stuff is all over YouTube and Instagram. So it's the ultimate detachment from having to put stuff in to get results out for other people. And also, you know, generating wealth and all those things. So he calls this productizing yourself, clarifying what's valuable about you and deliver it to people while you're asleep. So I guess going through some examples, I think we talked about this before with Unique Luck as well, uh, which was a bunch of, maybe a week ago. But I'd I'd bring up some of the same names, for example, like Joe Rogan, right? very far-reaching impact using podcasts as a medium, right? So he's been able to kind of go everywhere and is a behemoth, right? And he's almost created this thing in him, which is his natural curiosity, his, his love of questions and his, his desire to be very unbiased and unbelonging to any like aggressive ideology or angle or pushing anything a certain way. So to be like the ultimate like pure fence-sitter, <laughs> first time I've ever used that as a positive phrase, and really unpack like what really knowledgeable and interesting people have to say, especially voices that don't get heard. And he's turned that natural curiosity he has, like he's never been very deliberate. He says, I've never been deliberate about growing it. But obviously, uh, he, he had a high profile from Fear Factor and um, as a comedian, all these things before. So it's not like he sat in a sat in some basement and just made podcast episodes and they just went everywhere. But, you know, he, he hasn't been so aggressive about some ambition. But he's just, the, the podcast is essentially an extension of himself. As Naval would say, he's escaped, uh, what's, the, what's the phrase? Well, he's done it all through authenticity. And he, Naval reminds us that the internet creates more ways to be authentic as, for a living. And it wasn't necessarily the case before before you probably had to find just something the market was willing to pay you for. I think another great example is Seth Godin. So if anyone doesn't know who Seth Godin is, um, like a thought leader around education, marketing, leadership, and post-industrial careers, um, very prominent writer with a daily blog and lots of best-selling books and a bunch of alternative education work he's done. 
Seth Godin to me is like, I don't know, maybe it's my a bias from the circles I'm in, but he seems to be one of the most quoted people whenever I'm reading a book. Um, but also, because uh, the company he helped found, MBA and Akimbo, they do lots of like workshops for freelance style people, podcasters, writers. So there's a lot of similar vibes to Concert Student in a way. But I've noticed that all the people that flock towards his stuff, um, they really mirror a lot of his values. And his ideas have essentially become these incredible products that people essentially use to communicate concepts. So things like, um, for example, the smallest viable audience. I don't know if I've ever talked to you about that. Or uh, what are the other ones? Permission marketing, right? And things like that. So he's turned his ideas into stuff that other people can use and share to build better things on top of. He's created fa- created foundations in the culture with through books, um, writing, and then he does do a podcast now. So these are all like examples of people productizing themselves. Now, you remember what we talked about with leverage, that code or media and maybe online communities now, uh, some of the best examples of how you can productize yourself because there's zero marginal costs, right? So it doesn't, there's a lot of setup, maybe some capped monthly costs to run these things or do these things, but then... If 10,000 people use it, it might not make that much of a difference to your cost to 1,000 people, especially podcasts and, and writing and books. Um, but I'll unpack, I guess, a bit of a process around this, in my, in my opinion, because I'm taking what I've seen from people doing very, very early career journeys. So if you're here and you're just early career, uh, you're thinking, what the hell, how would I productize myself? These are the things I've noticed, which, which might actually give you a bit of maybe some sort of roadmap. Um, but you know, always cut your own path, but this is some of the trends I've noticed. I think people can progress through and Luke, you, you might actually be a good example as well. Someone who might be unconsciously early in this sort of process. So you start with someone's intrinsic interests. Obviously I always say the audience of none, what you do without anyone watching or paying you, right? Intrinsic interests, things that you are internally motivated to do, your challenges you have, Liam always reminds me, your, your mess is your message. Like so many people eventually build solutions based on challenges they've had in the past. Um, you know, I had a very average university experience. I'm sure that's what's triggered me to want to do stuff in alternative education. Very simple example. Also, another thing to think about the very, very early phases of this are what questions people ask you very often or what you often get asked to help people with. Your co-host for With the Chiefs, Luke, mm. is Dom who is even, even more known for his running, right? I know the podcast about running. And we talked about this the other day. Um, I, I, I said, what are the questions you always get asked? And he said, well, the first thing people always ask is what shoes to wear um, yeah. when they're running. And then you guys just went and made a podcast episode mm. based on that. And, and this is a great example of you've started with something you're not doing professionally. This thing is finding you. On some part, it's the running which comes to you naturally. You both decide you loved it. You didn't get into it for professional reasons necessarily. You became very dedicated to this craft of running. It's, it's an intrinsic interest to you. You're, no one's paying you. No one's applauding you necessarily for doing it. Even if they are, it's supplementary. It's not the reason you're doing it. It's not the main driver. But then you've got this impulse, um, you know, oh, what if we did a pro- some sort of project around this to amplify our, amplify our love mm. of running? Meanwhile, you are getting this early... These things are finding, say you, or maybe more Dom at this stage, 
around the running process. How do I, you know, what shoes do I get? How do I manage injury, you know, running programs, whatever the key questions are you keep getting asked. Because you keep doing that, you know on a small scale, even if it starts just in your group of friends or some people on Instagram, there seems to be a trend that there's a, some sort of market that wants that sort of service and they want it from you. So the next thing you can do, I see a lot of people, you guys have maybe skipped this step and maybe Dom did it very informally, is what we would call high touch services. Um, I don't know if you know what I mean by a high touch, Luke, mm. but high touch is things that are very manual. Yeah. Right? So a service that's very manual. For example, Amazon does not give high touch service. They give low touch service. You don't, you don't really deal with someone. You just buy yeah. off the website. Yeah. A coach is very high touch, right? A coach works with you dedicated. Um, a, a doctor gives high touch service. Right? You don't go off their blog and that's, you don't pay them for their blog or something. You pay them to physically diagnose you. So that's very high touch. Most sales is yeah. high touch when you're in store. So that's high touch. So often it will start very high touch. Um, for me, it was people saying this is a good way of thinking. It was Scott McEwen saying, oh, the minimum viable lifestyle concept. This is more people need to know this, for example. Um, or, or concepts I was coming up with a lot, often back and forth with him on phone calls and putting into a metaphor or analogy and him saying, this, this is really good. And that's, that's the early stage high touch. And then what happens is you can convert it into something that is, fits with Naval's concepts more around productizing, leverage, scaling in a very ethical way, not for its own sake, but to actually start detaching the impact you have from the effort you're putting in a bit more. So that is, for you guys, the podcast, mm. right? The podcast can be listened to in 100 years when you guys have definitely gone way more than running your last run and you're actually both <laughs> dust bowls uh, or, or cremated, right? And this is where you start creating this, almost this low-touch service um, that, that can go anywhere, right? So maybe, I don't know, maybe Dom has almost informally coached people, you know, without money changing yeah, hands. Yeah, me. Sometimes people do. Yeah, I'm sure he has. But, but what happens is that the high touch is also a very good education because you get real-time feedback for how your concepts and guidance work mm. for people. And you get more clarity around how to do it. Um, so much of constant student is way more high touch now than it will be in, say, two or three years. Because I'm very even more eager right now to, say, jump on a call with someone or whatever, or go over their project because I'm learning... What are the key patterns that all these people are going through? What are the key stumbling blocks? Right? So what are the patterns? So, oh, this is, this is the creativity trend. Or these are their common limiting beliefs, right? Fear of failure. So when you see enough of those, it creates this ability. You, create, you get this ability to then create solutions in your kind of customer journey in a way. Right? All right. And that's why we do the myth of failure workshop in Constant Student, for example. All right? One of the biggest obstacles is fear and imposter syndrome anyway so then then you just keep going on and the sophistication of that productizing part where it's like more scalable again naval talked about things you can make with code with media with online communities um you can you can then keep developing them right so an example going back to me for an example now uh, i think about my podcast right so my podcast I firstly did it because I wanted to turn the blog into a medium that 
would be more digestible. My first love was the blog. Blogging way more fun for me than podcasting. <laughs> but I knew that podcasting is very digestible. So I did it for a bit and then I took a break because I was getting burnt out. I didn't have time. But people kept giving me feedback that the podcast was great. It just kept chasing me. So I was like, oh, there is a demand for the podcast. Mm. So I was like, All right, I've got to bring it back and bring back the consistency. But now I look at the podcast and I get insight into how people use it. So I've got some friends who, when they're really down, they go to this podcast, right? Especially, I guess, the early episodes are way more on self-awareness and they're more calming. These are a bit more strategic and career-related. So I was like, oh, that's interesting, right? Instead of just some people follow along, but some people go because they're in a particular, they've got a particular pain point. Now I think about it this way, thinking productizing, right? On Spotify or even maybe kind of still YouTube as well, you can't really go, like you go to my podcast, you just see the most recent episodes, right? On Spotify. Like this, today's actually the 200th episode came out because that's a milestone. (laughs) But, you know, there's 200 bloody episodes, right? So Spotify doesn't really have tagging or Apple Podcasts and all these podcast players don't really have tagging, right? They don't have like, oh, this is on self-awareness and this is on self-doubt. And this is on, I don't know, creating leverage. And you can't really search them that way. You kind of have to go through this scroll. So there's no real like browsing experience, if that makes sense. I think, wow, I'd love to create a better browsing experience for this. So maybe at some point, once there's sufficient volume, there's, I don't know, a Withja Weeby app where you can type in the problem you're having and it will, you know, or I could, there's probably a no-code way I could make that. Um, I won't get into that, but where I could use logic. Um, but anyway, so like that would be great, right? And then I developed this into an even better product. Turning ideas and concepts, the things that the world has almost naturally drawn out of me and, and the world draws them out of you into amazing products and services for people. So that is an idea of a full state, stage by stage from like scratch to really maximal infinite leverage, productizing yourself for perhaps like a younger person today. That was a lot of information. So Luke, you're the translator for everyone else, if I've made sense. What does and does not make sense about what was just explained there? Well, it makes sense, Joe. I just actually wanted to get your opinion on... So you have a lot of people that, for example, come into your community and you've been able to assist me, for example, to take that interest to the next level. People mm-hmm. listening, so a lot of people have a very limiting beliefs around their ability to create these media types. So how, how do you think we can overcome that? Because... As I said before, if I didn't, if I didn't have a relationship with you and being pushed down the line, I would find it very hard to go into this realm. Yeah, yeah. Well, a few things come to mind, but there are a lot of things. Um, I, I always think environment is the most powerful influence on your behavior. So, willpower, changing your willpower, can be done, but way harder when you're just in an environment. So, for example, you, even though I did give you a prompt that maybe you could, you guys could do a project or something, it was very light. I didn't say do a running podcast. You guys came mm. up with that. Even though I was, I was giving you the prompt, you guys already opted into Constant Student. So, I know it's not like some town you're living in. It's an online, initially driven community, but you are at least there's this line you've gone through. 
Um, it, it's, I just feel like the journey is very stage-based. But another, the other things, aside from putting yourself in an environment with more of these people who are doing the same thing as the most powerful thing, because you don't feel as weird and out there. Um, so that's the first part. Aside from that, you know, I, I do talk a lot about how failure is a myth, although at this time I haven't published anything on the myth of failure concept. It's my bad. Um, that's the first thing. But I also think of two concepts, which is um, protecting the downside and also stacking the upside. So stacking the upside is actually this full deep uh, unpacking of why something is valuable and why it's worthwhile doing. And people often leave a lot of those things off the table because mm-hmm. I find that that gives me a lot of incentive to actually follow through. For example, um, being shy to start a podcast or a blog, I understand. But if you think about the sort of people it can impact, um, to me, that is a real strong incentive, like why you have to overcome the fear, especially because you start thinking about other people as early as possible and more than just you. Mm. I find that very, very useful for me. Uh, it, there's so many different things, but that 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 is one. And then a lot of people would say, ah, oh, but I... I'm not the sort of person who can have that sort of impact. You'd be surprised the impact you could have with 50 people reading your stuff or listening to your stuff. I mean, I, I don't have a huge distribution at the moment. Yet there's so many, I have a, a thing I've saved of screenshots of messages, people who say that something I've done has just changed things for them. I think one of our high school friends even changed jobs based on, he, he attributed like the podcast is a big influence. I'm sure there were other factors. Um, that's that's not on a big scale. Like it's probably really worth it for just like four or five um, people whose lives it's changed. Anyway, so there's all this stuff around imposter syndrome and why you can do it and positive self-talk. So, you know, you could talk about that too as how to overcome that. I don't know if I'm answering your question, but actually two of the things I think about almost taking away the spotlight from your ego because your ego is very sensitive. And the way you take away spotlight from your ego is normally, well, one thing is laughter and not taking yourself so seriously, actually. So that's a third. Second is like the environment because that's that just sends a different message to your subconscious. And the third is just forgetting yourself a little bit and focusing on others and, and understanding the impact it can have. Um, but also, Luke, I think fourthly, like taking small steps. Yep. Taking small steps, like you and Dom recording for like six months before you actually made the yeah. podcast live. So those little bite-sized yeah. steps are important, and also I think you you've done this sort of analysis with me before. Is just come comes back to that question, that line of questioning, which is, well, why wouldn't you do it, or what's the worst that could actually happen? And taking that time to exactly that's the downside. Think, and then when you come up yeah. with a reason. Like I'm a little, I'm shy and I, you know, I'm reluctant to put things out there. But when you think of it, that's much more emotionally charged. So it sort of pushes you away from all the upside when, like you're saying, there's actually so much more upside. There always is. There always is. Yeah. That's as phenomenal. Um, what a great, yeah. What a great like topic. I think it's very powerful. I'm very proud of this mm. episode. The, the, um, tomorrow we're going to wrap things up on Naval and talk about potentially like, I don't know if I've worded this the right way, but five changes I'd make to Naval's how to get rich series, uh, all up, not taken away. It is pure gold. <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's changed the world, but, uh, still five little tweaks and changes we'd make. So 
That's tomorrow.